Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What do Donald Trump, AI, and hitting rock bottom have in common? All topics we're going to discuss on this Truth or Fiction Tuesday edition of Critical Thinking. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oney. Let's dive in to some critical thinking. Good Tuesday morning to you all. I hope you had a great weekend. Um... Some of us had an extended weekend, and you know that that is due to Juneteenth and all of that stuff. I got out on the golf course for the first time this year after testing out the uh, after testing out the knee on the driving range on Saturday, and I'm gonna guess that the driving range plus the um, less than 48 hours later nine holes of golf, not the brightest of ideas. Just gonna say my my uh, my leg is feeling it this morning, but. At least my knee is not in absolute excruciating pain. Um, so I will take it. All right. So some of us got a chance to enjoy Juneteenth. Um, others in this industry decided to just skip it all together as if it's some fake holiday that's just totally made up. And it's really not. It is something that has been celebrated for a long time during uh, in various parts of the country. For instance, Pat, um, St. Nick Day. Is that a day that you celebrate in your house? No, probably not. Right? And it's a day large swaths of the American public don't really celebrate. Yet in the upper Midwest and in Wisconsin and Illinois, and if you're Catholic especially, it's a day you always celebrate. It's a day in December in between um, Thanksgiving and um, Christmas, right? And it's a designated day on the calendar, and we all celebrate it. Does it mean it's a fake holiday? Just because it's not some nationally recognized, everybody celebrates it holiday? No. No, it's not a fake holiday in the least. So I, I, like, I don't uh, subscribe to this, oh, Juneteenth is, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now, 
has it been taken over in recent years by Marxist BLM types um, trying to push this as something other than what it really is? You bet. But you can make the argument that the pagans have taken over Christmas. You can make an argument that um, we don't celebrate Easter Sunday uh, in the Easter season as we should in this country. You can make the argument, I mean, the Easter bunny is the thing that kids care about the most, right? Why? Like, I've never understood that. Other than for, you know, candy makers and card makers and whomever to, to commercialize it. But why do we need to commercialize something that is sacred? And if you did want to commercialize something that was sacred, wouldn't we be giving gifts that would... Um, Tell us about the risen Jesus Christ. We're not Muslim. Last time I checked, where the depiction of Jesus, or, you know, the depiction of Muhammad gets you shot and killed, or hands chopped off and heads rolled. We, we don't do that. I, I, like I've never understood that. So this isn't new to see a a thing that should be celebrated be taken over by things that have no business inside of it, right? Am I am I missing anything? No, no, not at all. Um I think the history of Juneteenth is important. Um <clears throat> I don't like what it's become mm-hmm. in recent years. I mean, even even companies like the one I work for um are we're pushing sending out emails saying like go and do something for that that was basically blm type stuff and i'm like no thank you no thank you uh like if you want to give me a day off i'll remember the actual history um Mm -hmm. that's it like i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go and do more than that in this case um and what you're describing is you know pioneer day it's a big thing out here in utah idaho Arizona, you know, Western states. Does most of the country celebrate that? No. no couldn't tell you what it is, right? No, you probably couldn't. I mean, it's all all it is is basically a, a holiday that celebrates the um, pioneers that came west, specifically, you know, Oregon Trail type stuff or even the Mormon Trail type stuff, um, especially here in Utah, because, I mean, there were a lot of a lot of uh, Mormons that came west um, after uh, following Brigham Young and the church out, out here into Utah. So, um, you know, it, it's just it's just one of those things like, oh, it's, it's, it's part of our history, just like Juneteenth really is part of our history. And it's, that's how it should be remembered is something that, hey, this is part of our history. Um, this is the reason why we celebrate it. Let's not pervert it beyond that. We've done the same thing. You, you, to your point, too, we've done the same thing with Easter. We've done the same thing with Christmas. They, they've been perverted to modern cultural norms. Yep. And the, the, the sacredness. And the, people wonder why I get to be such a Grinch at Christmas time. It's because of the commercialization and stuff. I'm like, I just want it to be sacred again. That's all I'm asking for. And the way that I keep Christmas is not the same as a lot of other people do because yeah. I try to keep it sacred. Yeah. I mean, you, you take a look at like Corey Bush uh, yesterday, 
the representative Cory Bush. Um, it's Juneteenth and reparations. It's Juneteenth and end police violence and the war on drugs. It's Juneteenth and oh. end housing and education apartheid. It's Juneteenth and teach the truth about white supremacy in our country. Black liberation must be prioritized. First of all, let's take the last statement. That's literally the point of Juneteenth, you moron. It was the literal liberation of the last groups of people to hear about the Emancipation Proclamation and, and the, the, um, the freedom of slaves in this country. That's the point. Whether that's the technical last day that anybody in the entire country, the United States of America, had heard about it, right? What It is the last recognized bastion because it was Galveston, Texas, right? And it was the last of the slave states to have heard that information, okay? So this is insane. This is all insane. Let's... Yeah, you know, I think I, I look at it this way. I sat down yesterday for a little bit and History Channel, they had on Grant, the documentary. They had on a bunch of documentaries about um, um, black contributions to American, early American history. They, they talked about uh, the black Americans' contribution to the Revolutionary War and the dichotomies and the the, you know, seemingly contradictory ways in which, you know, our founding fathers treated those who wanted to fight versus free uh, blacks versus slaves and all that stuff. And that's an important conversation to be had. But then they also taught us about the Buffalo Soldiers and, and all these other groups of people that were vital to American history. That's what Juneteenth could be about for me is understanding and teaching people about the contributions that that people made while while large swaths of them were indentured. The problem I have is that we have so and and this is the Cory Bushes and other people like her and our history books. We have so different of a we have a picture of slavery in this country that is vastly different than the real history we have a mental picture of yes don't get me wrong atrocities abuse neglect um terrible things happened that's not what i'm saying what I am saying is that that is just one small morsel of this entire history. The American or the slave trade, the European slave trade, because that's what it really was during our colonial history, was the European slave trade. Europeans brought slaves here. It is not as if the colonists decided to sail the ocean blue to Africa and pick up some slaves on their way. That's not how that worked. But do we hear about what took place in Africa? How all of this took place? Do we understand that Native Americans 
post-Civil War Pat still held slaves. Black slaves, white slaves, indigenous slaves, Hispanic slaves. Do we hear about that? No, we don't. No, it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit. It, it, It never has. Because here's the reality. Slavery, yes, it was awful. It was evil. It is a stain on American life. That is a reality. But it is not unique to American life. And that's the part that we miss. We have so mystified and demonized this part of our history to not understand the context in which it existed. You can denounce the act of slavery, right? Like I do. That was awful. That was terrible. Based on race and all of that stuff, awful. The way the the, the racist slaveholder treated the black slave in America was awful. But we also can have the conversation of, did you know that 90% of the people who were slaves here were slaves to black tribes in Africa? And they sent them on their merry way over here as further enslavement. And oh, by the way, gaining wealth. It was their way of... of Exercising power, just like the Native Americans would enslave each other. And, and oh, by the way, um, in feudal Europe, they would enslave each other. This is not unique to America. And we have so demonized this that we have a caricature of what it really was. We have a mental picture that is vastly different from reality. Like if we were to teleport ourselves back into time, right? And say we were around, I don't know, the 1760s or even the 1840s, let's say. We wouldn't recognize what, we would be so baffled and mystified by what the reality of of that lifestyle was. Because we have been so put into a box as to what that was supposed to look like. So I thought it was interesting for History Channel to give us some more of that. And I think it's it's a good place for us to have conversations. But it is not about having conversations about today. This is about understanding yesterday. And people like Corey Bush and others all over the meaning of it. But with that being said, Pat, I I wanted to take some time and talk about Juneteenth. So with that being said, Mr. Pat Oni, do you want to go first or you want me to go first on Truth or Fiction Tuesday? Um, you know what? I'll go first today. All right. Your first Truth or Fiction, sir. All right. This is going to come from the world of pop culture. Truth or Fiction. Putting your own personal feelings aside, we need a break from superhero movies. Um, yes. Um, we need a break. And we need a break from them because 
look, I haven't seen one in a while, to be honest with you. And that's Fair. because personally, I just got burnt out. Like, I'm supposed to follow a 20 movie story arc that ends with the third Guardians of the Galaxy. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to reset. The amount of time investment into story arcs and whatever, like the original Iron Man movies, right? Spider-Man. Um, when we take a look at what was going on with with that explosion in the early 2000s into, you know, the 2010s, right? Did, did anybody notice these were like tied together story arc movies? No, they because they weren't, right? They were just fun, entertaining, action-packed movies about the superheroes that some of us read and most of us didn't and could still relate to. Now, today we're pulling out the most obscure characters from Marvel, DC, whatever, right? And the originality is gone and now we're getting politics and racial stuff in there and we're going down the world and or the world of woke we're going down like massive story arcs that like if you ant-man and wasp has a story arc that it ties into some other universe that we all need a break because we all need to hit the reset button on this. That's where I'm at. That I don't find most of the new stuff to be something I would want to see in a theater. I think the last time I wanted to see something in the theater would have been maybe 2017 or 2018. That's like five years ago, right? So around the time of Endgame, then. Yeah, like Avengers, um, kind of that sort of thing. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, whatever, right? Um, I just they've. Let's put it this way: for me, I have been soured on them for a while because they took the fun. They made them serious, right? They made them into something that you had to take seriously. And how dare you if you didn't know the story arc from the five obscure movies that led into this one big blockbuster movie. What the hell? No. This would be like, you have to read all of the Star Wars books, right? Right. Read all the Star Wars books to get the obscure reference that happens in the big new Star Wars trilogy. And how dare you if you don't know the the inner workings of it? Now, you went from being relatable to being unrelatable. And I think you need to hit the reset button. And that goes for Disney and Pixar too, by the way, Pat. I don't know if you caught this over the weekend, but Elemental, the, the new Disney Pixar movie. Yeah, so I, I mean, I haven't watched it or anything, but supposedly they have like a non-binary character in there. Correct, correct. Somehow, yeah. I mean, you know, non-binary water character last time i checked water is water man like what the hell but more importantly it is the worst opening performance of any disney pixar movie of all time they made just 24 and a half million dollars on opening weekend 
And by the way, they put it this weekend on purpose because why? It's an extended weekend in which most parents have off on Juneteenth. And how do I know it? Because it felt like, um, you know, like a Labor Day weekend or um, like MLK Day, right, where most people have off of work and literally there are just gobs and gobs of people on the streets here in Chicago. The restaurants are packed and all that stuff. Like we got to a restaurant around 9, 9.15 after our, our, uh, our uh, golf ended, maybe 10 o'clock at latest. But anyway, so... We got, yeah, it was like a 9.30, whatever, 9.30, 10-ish. And it was packed. On a normal Monday, that ain't the case, right? There's not a, there, there's not a line that's uh, wrapping around the block to get in. That, that ain't happening. So all of those things happen. And, and what is the common thread between the not-so-great superhero the not-so-great performance of Disney Pixar's, it's because they're shoving messages down our throat. Whether you agree with them or not, what do we want to see when we go to the theaters? Nine times out of ten. Something that will entertain us. It's an escape. It's a way for us to... For instance, one of the top movies right now, Pat, on Netflix is Chris Hemsworth in Extraction 2. My wife and I watched it, and it's literally an hour and a half of ass-kicking fun. And it starts with literally him kind of regenerating himself after Extraction 1, and then just starting. It, It doesn't take 35 minutes to get into the action. It took less than four And he just started kicking ass. That's what Americans want to see these days. I I got to escape from everything I was thinking about and just watch a fun movie for an hour and a half. I don't need to think about, well, what? What did, what did that fifth movie that I watched, what did that, remember that one five movies ago? And, oh, here's the payoff. Now, you know, one of the things about Star Wars, right? One of the great things about it is that every movie has its own payoff, yet there's still some tie-in in between all three of them, right? All three of the originals. Sure. But you didn't have to necessarily see the first to see the second to see the third or four to see five to see six, technically. You didn't have to. You can watch you, them in any order and still understand what the hell is going on. Now, you might not pick up on why Leia and Luke making out and one of them is nasty. But you get how, the point of the overall movie, right? Right. Or or, or, or I would even say how Darth Vader is Luke's father. Um, Correct. And that like like there, there's going to be some subtle nuances that you're not going to understand if you do watch them out of order. But ultimately, yes, you could watch them independently. So now that I've blathered on enough, but I wanted to make that point. Like we are seeing messaging versus fun. 
And and that's the reality of why people don't want to see Elemental. They don't want to see the, the superhero movies. They just want to be freaking entertained. Your thoughts, Pat? So this this thought came from the wake of the flat the new Flash movie that came out over the weekend, uh, not doing so hot at the box office either. Hmm, can't imagine why. Well, I mean, there I think there are several reasons why for this one. However, I I've thought about this. Now I'm 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 a superhero movie kind of guy. I mean, hell, I'm wearing a superhero shirt or at least from the Flash universe right now, um, from Star Labs, and. You know, I I've enjoyed the Marvel movies mostly. I mean, I di- I did go see Guardians of the Galaxy last month when I was in Kansas with the, with a buddy of mine, mm-hmm. and it was actually a very enjoyable movie. Um, all in all, however, as I as I look at you know the recent movies that came out, whether it be from Marvel or the Marvel shows that they've done on Disney Plus, um, or uh, the, the future movies that are coming out, I, I'm not excited like I was for Endgame or um, for some of the Batman movies that came out over recent years. You know, because I'm Batman was always you know number one for me growing up. As I look at these, as the, as these movies have gotten increasingly woke, they've lost something, and it has nothing to do with necessarily my political persuasion it has everything to do with good storytelling now you you mentioned something about you know how all these movies are interconnected with each other a large part of why that is is because they're they're meant to be seen like a comic book series um and and so like when when comic books came out you know a lot of times a lot of these comic different books would be connected to each other as part of a wider series so i understand that i also understand your point as well because who's got time to to go and see all of these movies all the time it's exhausting it it is exhausting it's a time investment i mean your most loyal people will do it but if you're trying to get uh other larger swaths of other demographics and crowds um you needed to be appealing to them too. And the other thing I will, I will point out is one of the big things with this flash movie that everybody was so hyped about was Michael Keaton returning as Batman from I'm the original Batman. 1989 movie. Um, guys, Batman. I'm done with the nostalgia as someone that is, that is into, to this kind of stuff. I don't need nostalgia. I need a good story. I need mm-hmm. something original. I need something that that is going to be like wow, like like because like the last the last real superhero movie that I was just in in awe by, like like just wow, that was a great story, was Infinity War and Endgame. Because the 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 story was original. It it put everything together, and it was enjoyable and it was fun. We talk about the entertainment. I'm not even just talking about the entertainment value here. I'm talking about tell a good story. The reason why I think Nefar- I mean, Nefarious was a, a much smaller movie, just, just to point this one out as a, an example. I'm not a horror movie person. Never have been. 
I have no desire to watch horror movies. Uh, one of the things I've been seeing commercialized right now is Insidious 2. No desire to watch something like that. None. But Nefarious was such an original story. And that's why it kept me entertained. It got its point across, right? There was a point to it. There was a biblical theme to it. There was a lot of lot of things to it that, that yeah, that were put in there. But it told an original story. And this is something that my wife has been saying for years now. And this is why she hasn't seen a, a superhero movie since Endgame. It's because she's done with just, like, look, I, I, I just, I want a good story. I want originality from Hollywood. And rather than trying to entertain and tell an original story anymore, everything has to be so jam-packed with politics and wokeism and whatever agenda you can think of all being shoved in these movies Mm -hmm. and that's that's why we need a break we need a break because they need to figure out get back to some originality get back to some of that good storytelling that's that's what sells not this wokeism crap Mm -hmm. we're seeing you you see that at the box office now yeah absolutely 100 percent all right, let's go with my first truth or fiction here. My first truth or fiction comes from the world of Donald Trump. Trump will win the GOP nomination while he is in prison. Truth or fiction, Pat? Fiction. Um, and and the reason why I'm going to go 120% fiction on this is because, one, we shouldn't be nominating somebody that's in prison anyway. Two... We have no idea what's going to happen in these primaries, um, and so you know you, you have you have Ron DeSantis in there, who's probably the next big hitter to Donald Trump, <clears throat> um, and then you've got you've got a dark horse like Tim Scott that's also in there. So and then yeah, Donald Trump may own the base, but you need more than just the base to win win um, a, 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 a you know the primary. Like like you need you need to get you know some of these voters that that aren't necessarily just MAGA forever too um so i i don't i don't see that happening um Mm -hmm. i don't see like if he's convicted i see a lot of the states taking him off the ballot um and so i i I don't i just don't see a path if he's in prison to winning the nomination now is it possible sure i'm not ruling it as an impossibility I'm just ruling it as not a probability. So I'm kind of on the fence on this one. The only way that I think that this is fiction is I'm not sure that he will be in prison as a convicted felon yet. I think that is certainly a possibility come the summer, late fall of 2024, sure. given the, uh-huh. the timetables that we're seeing for these uh, these prosecutions, right? Let's not forget that we're likely to see two more on the docket, so which one takes precedence is going to be the important question for the courts to answer. That having been said, I think it's entirely possible that he will be either put on house arrest or um, or put into prison awaiting trial. 
Okay. And then on the flip side that I think this is a hundred percent truth, our responses like the one that I saw last night to Steve Dace asking a series of questions, really important, critical questions that I think we have to deep dive on on Thursday, by the way. I think these are vital questions that if you are on the right and not the MAGA Forever cult, that we have to answer, that we have to answer for. Because most of the answers are bad. Most of the answers pretend really bad things. But <clears throat> for simply asking questions, Pat, right? Four really important questions around what what's the plan for Team GOP if he really is going to win the nomination? What happens if he really is convicted, right? All of those types of stuff. It's not just about Donald Trump. It's about what does the party do? What? How do conservative or libertarian-leaning values... <coughs> be able to be juxtaposed against uh, against um, the apparatus that is Joseph Marionette Biden. Because let's be clear, it's not about Joe Biden himself. There's, there's nobody who thinks that Joe Biden is sane, yet there are literally tens of millions of people who will go out, pull the lever, uh, punch the hole, push the button, you know, do whatever needs to be done, Right. But I want you to hear this response, okay? So Steve Dace was asking, uh, basically what he put out on Twitter is, I want to pose uh, the questions here that I did on today's show, which was yesterday, but with more details. Apologies for, uh, for the length, but this historic moment requires details. I think as a movement in industry, we need to be honest discussing them, given our futures are at stake here, okay? This is what, um, this is what he notes. But the response to these questions, Pat, from this is not just a singular response. This is the almost boilerplate response from MAGA Forever. I do not care about your long-winded love letters to Ron. Trump is still our best shot compared to everyone else. DeSantis is a country club Republican and would lose similar to the way that Romney lost. I'm so sick of your love affair with Ronnie. The guy sucks. I mean, that's a very cult-like response. So, when I think about the in, what would have been maybe five years ago, if you would have said, hey, by the way, the GOP nominates somebody, and that person is under federal indictment, is likely going to prison, and is likely to sit in prison or on house arrest while having to somehow win a national election. You would have thought I was crazy, right? You would have been yeah. like, what the hell are you yeah. talking about? Okay, so 10 years ago, right? No freaking way is that a possibility that, that the GOP would allow that to happen. And more importantly, that the GOP voters would go, yeah, that's the guy I want to vote for. All Steve asked were questions about what happens if. He didn't say, don't nominate. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. He didn't say lick Ron DeSantis' boots because this is difficult. He wants you and I and everybody else to think. And that's important. Instead, what do we get in response? There are literally tens of millions of Americans, Pat, who will go to the polls in GOP primaries across this country and vote for Donald Trump no matter what. He could be convicted. He could be sitting, rotting in a prison cell for the rest of his natural life. And they still will not vote for anybody else in a primary. There's no strategy here. There's no thought here. There's no nothing. There is literally nothing that Donald Trump could do that these people would be like, yeah, that's too far. Nah, I'd, uh, no, no, I actually, it's not about winning for them. It's about the cult. So you damn well better believe that there is a large segment that has that statement as truth. My only hesitation with saying that this is 100% true is I just don't know where that timeline exists for him to be spending time in prison or on house arrest or under uh, on trial and or convicted already. Where does that timeline wind up is the important question mark in this. Are we going to start the federal trial in Miami prior to 2024? And if that is the case, this this could be the real scenario that happens. And it's not just because we're a protest vote. It's because they're in a cult. That's how that well, happens. You, this is why, this is why I say it's in part fiction. Though, is because we don't know what's going to happen with these trials either. Right, that's my uh, point. Like I'm leaning way more towards truth than fiction mm. because of people like that. They were they were all over my timeline the second that I happened to mention the that, uh, you know that they're in a cult. Yeah, you are. If you if you can't critically think, what is one thing that Donald Trump has done b- bad? Would you vote for somebody else if that one thing that they did really bad killed millions of your fellow citizens? Or he lied about the things that led to, oh, that's right, you, you, you remember all that time that you spent off of work in 2020 and, and all the devastation to your family and to your own physical and mental health and, oh, by the way, your kid is now four grades behind in math and reading? Yeah. Can't point that out. He is infallible. 
to these people. And the only thing that this will serve to that group is to galvanize around him consequences to the rest of life be damned. The consequences to our American Republic be damned. This isn't, this is all insane. But having said that, Pat, I think uh, now would be a great time to have a little bit of fun. So how about we play the B or not the B? You ready? Yeah, that's right. Let's do it. All right. So today's headline, <clears throat> Trudeau smokes Cuban cigar to honor dad on Father's Day. Trudeau smokes Cuban cigar to honor, to honor dad on Father's Day. And while you're thinking about that, folks, do not forget, do business with those who won't insult you. I'm going to prop up our friends at Trentine Brewing Company. Um, while they are not commercial brewers yet, they do have merch in the merchandise store. You can support their efforts, um, home brewing efforts, their efforts to commercialize as they are going through that process. Um, again, doing business with those who won't insult you, doing business with people of faith, people who literally use their faith in their business, in their everyday life. So, um, check them out, Tridentine or Tridentine, if you want to spell it out. But it's Tridentine Brewing Company. Um, really great people. Uh, they treated me spectacularly. I've got some really cool um, tins, like uh, their beer label tins. Um, they sent me a couple of those, some magnets, and all of that wonderful goodness. Um, so you can check them out and uh, support businesses that literally glorify God through through beer. So um, think about that. All right, Pat. Well, uh, everybody else is quickly Googling Tridentine Brewing Company. Is this the B or not the B? So Trudeau smokes cigar in honor of Father's Day? No, Trudeau Don't smokes Cuban cigar to honor dad on Father's Day. Um... I don't. I don't see Trudeau being a cigar smoker. I think he's too much of a wuss for that. I, I have no idea why. I'm going to go with the Babylon B. You are correct, and I cannot believe you didn't get the joke here. This is one of the best subtle jokes they have ever produced. Justin okay. Trudeau is what uh, a commie Canadian? bastard, right? Yeah. He is smoking a Cuban cigar. Oh, yeah. Who's his daddy? Fidel Castro. Another con Meow. bastard. Okay. Yeah. I... <clears throat> According to reports, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau lit up a Cuban cigar to honor his dad on Father's Day. Quote, yeah, this has been a tradition of mine ever since my dear old dad Fidel, er, I mean, Pierre, started sending me boxes of these babies every year, said Trudeau while puffing on a cojoba. Ah, fresh from the homeland. Sources close to the prime minister said he often takes a moment to smoke a Cuban cigar to help decompress after a long day of destroying civil liberties, freezing bank accounts with political enemies, and dressing like a dark-skinned Indian sultan. 
Quote, the prime minister took the time to honor his father today. His father is Pierre and definitely not Fidel, the communist Cuban dictator. May he rest in eternal peace, said a spokesperson for Trudeau. At publishing time, Trudeau had finished off his Father's Day festivities with a smooth Cuban mojito in honor of his dad, whose name is Pierre and not Fidel. <laughs> By the way, uh, mojito, uh, I got to go with like top three summer beverages. Even if you don't, uh, I don't know if you can make a non-alcoholic mojito. I don't know if you could do it. That'd be interesting. I mean, I know you could do it with a margarita. I know you could do it with a daiquiri, but um, pina colada, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. I, I, that would be interesting if you could do. I don't know because, like, the flavor of a mojito, it kind of needs the rum. But anyway, <laughs> that being said, um, we get a hundred dollars of central bank digital currency deposited into the account, which of course we cannot access because our ESG score is so low. Thank All right. you, Dominic Lizzo, from donating from your uh, Ponzi scheme. I mean, uh, totally legit. Uh, yes, L- yes. Now, Pat, there was one in which I really wanted to 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 do, but it would be way too obvious. I'm just going to deposit this here mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. to ponder. A year in this role, there's been a couple of things that I that has made me incredibly proud. Many things, many things that made me incredibly proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment. Again, this is a historic administration. I'm a historic figure and I certainly walk in history every day. But this is also a historic making administration because of this president. Yes, Mr. Panoni. Is it is it historic to say that we, she works for the dumbest, most inept, and is also the dumbest and most inept press secretary of all time? Is that the history that she's speaking of? Now, look, yeah. folks, here's the reality of this. You know, everybody talking about the hubris and the hutchba and the, you know, absolute ego, right, that it takes to say that on camera but folks our founding freaking fathers were talking about how much they were making history read read the letters read like literally uh the the letter that john adams writes to abigail adams about um signing the declaration of independence i love reading that letter he literally talks about the epoch of history and the things they know they're living in historic times. They know that they're making physical history. But there's a difference between that because they are literally fighting a revolution, right? They are revolutionaries. For a reason. And the first black lesbian press secretary. She is a pimple on the ass of history. (laughs) George Washington, John Adams, you know, (laughs) Sam Adams, Ben Franklin, da-da-da-da-da. Those people are the people who should be able to talk about themselves being historic figures in the moment that they are living in, right? She ain't it. This is the this is the delusion of DEI 
in practice that somehow just because you are a immutable characteristic, right? You cannot change the fact that you are black, Korean Jean-Pierre, right? You can't. That, that, is, that is something that is ingrained in your DNA, right? It is unchangeable. That doesn't make you historic. Now, if you became the best press secretary we have ever seen of all time, right, and you did something worthy of history-making, Okay, you're an answer to a trivia question. That is different than being historic. And secondly, what in the hell history is being made by this administration? What is it? I'll wait right here while you tell me. I was going to say, is it tearing down America as we know it? Because I can't come up with a damn thing. That is history making in a positive way, in a way in which the history books will go. Hey, remember that uh, that whole twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty four time frame? Man, was that fun! Maybe the only way that this becomes history making is, hey, remember that Joe Biden presidency in which the uh, devolution of American society into pure socialism began. And maybe it's the debate that we have 100, 150 years from now as to, was this the point of socialism turning over in America? Maybe that's the history making that you're talking about, but I wouldn't consider that a positive part of our history. What the hell are you talking about? It's another stain on our history, if anything. And furthermore, is Corinne Jean-Pierre somebody that's going to be noted in the history books as part of this question of did we or did we not go full socialist? No. Um, other than maybe people like you and me who, you know, do this we, kind of stuff. Nobody for a in 20, if 20 years, if you put a picture up of her on yeah, the screen, no one's gonna know. nobody knows no one's who gonna you know. are. People you are ain't start history making. You are an absolute egomaniac. People will start forgetting about her the moment Joe Biden leaves office. Unbelievable. All right. With that having been said, Pat, let's go into our second truth or fictions. And I'm going to have you go first on this one as well. Okay. Your second truth or fiction is... Truth or fiction. AI should have no place in politics or government. This is simple for me. This is absolute fiction. Okay. Why? Um, There are things in which AI are very useful. So I'm going to, I'll put it this way. Could you replace a press secretary with AI? Hell yeah, you could. So for instance, if you're, if you're running for state Senator or state uh, office and you wanted to put out a press release, chat GTP or other things can write it up for you. You just replaced a press secretary, right? That you don't have to pay anymore. There are, aspects of AI that are useful, okay? Uh, for instance, could you also help have AI help you write speeches? Yes, you could. And they could be very useful. Now, do you have to edit them and, and make them into your own style and do all those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But those are edge cases, right? 
you, you, you didn't delineate. Now, I will say this. The use of artificial intelligence to alter photos, to make things look like they are happening, but they didn't really actually happen. Um, the nefarious use of AI is dangerous to this society. It is dangerous to our politics. It is dangerous to the entire world, by the way. <clears throat> because I can already see a point in time in which how do we delineate what really happened? For instance, could we see Russia use AI or Ukraine or whomever, right? I think a great example of this would be Ukraine using AI to tell us that NATO was attacked, right? A NATO ally was attacked, but we can't verify, right? But we see it. That ball, that snowball's rolling down the hill. How do you stop it? We don't have the ability to discern right now what's real and what's unreal, right? As a large, larger society. So I think there are some nefarious, but on the whole, I don't think it doesn't have a place in politics. I think what we have to do is delineate, hey, man, we're talking about speeches or whatever. That's great, grand, wonderful. But when we're talking about, you know, dirty trick politics and all of those things, it's a cat that's already out of the bag. So I don't know if you can say, let's suck it back in. But it is dangerous. It is by the way, a very powerful tool to be used. It is a weapon in politics. Um, so I'm going to go with this statement being true or being false. Uh, it should be used. There are really good uses for AI technology in politics. There really are. There are ways to save time. There are ways in which um, things can happen. Um, and by the way, you can also use AI to delineate arguments that your other side is the other side of the, the aisle are making, right? There, there are ways in which you can say, Hey, guess what? Um, I'm going to input the data that you just gave me and it's going to spit out reality, right? There are ways in which it can be very, very useful and very, very productive and very, very helpful to the truth, but it's in the use case. It is in the user. It is who is using, whom controls the code, whom this is always the reality of AI, right? This has always been the truth of AI is that you have to know, you have to discern, you have to understand um, if it's being used, whom used it, what version of AI was being used here. It is dangerous too because we could talk about artificial intelligence being able to start wars, right? Or end wars with nuclear codes down the line. The, the future of AI and its use in military politics and all that and government can be very dangerous if we are not thinking about the consequences of it right now and deciding on as a society, thus the social contract, which is also a very dangerous prospect right now because we don't have one, but deciding as a society, nah, we aren't going there, right? Are we having those conversations? No, no. 
The only people having those conversations, by the way, are people at like uh, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, the people who are the puppeteers of our politicians. And do you think that that's going to be good for us? So on the one hand, it's bad. On the other hand, there are really good use cases. What say you? So I get I get the really good use cases. I totally understand that because I've I've used AI. I mean, I use AI pretty much daily anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's really great for R and D. Rip off and duplicate, right? Right. So I I totally I totally understand it from from that standpoint. However, I go with truth on this one, and the reason why I go with truth on this one is for everything that you just said about all the negative effects of it. Until. And this is this is where I would be willing to say AI would have a place until we can agree in a social contract type scenario, which, again, right now in this culture, we can't until we can do that, until we can actually have some trust in our government again. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it has no place because it can be used to falsify, to attack, to um, fundamentally ruin someone's career right, but but pat but, we could we could make that argument about um press secretaries campaign sure. staffers um sure. money all of the stuff that already exists in politics look at what's going on with um the influence mm. peddling we look at what you know what's going on with just our very simple biases right that exist sure. in the political sure. world by the way sure. i gotta say this um yesterday my wife and I, we were watching um, one of the documentaries on Netflix, and it's like a six-part or eight-part series, and it's all about, like, corruption in sports. And we were watching the one about uh, the Salt Lake Olympics from 2002, where um, the controversy over uh, the, the pairs figure skating happened, right? The Canadians uh-huh. lost to the Russians and all that sort of stuff. Guess who was the, 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 the lead prosecutor of that case, by the way? Because there was an actual federal case. Just take a wild stab in the dark. It's a name that's I mean, relevant I know, today. I, I know that Romney was over the 2002 Olympics. Does it have anything to do with him? No. Okay. James Comey. He was the um, the lead attorney for the the, the, the prosecuting attorney. Literally, his name pops up in a press conference, right, as they're talking about the the federal charges being brought against whomever. What? Of course course it is. Of (laughs) course it is. How? Like, the amount of coincidence that has to happen that he goes from there to the, you know, to this position, to the FBI, to what? And, oh, by the way, there's a lot of questions as to whether or not the people who were the shall we say scapegoats down the line actually were real scapegoats actually were really involved. And it could have just been conversations between two really corrupt people betting on the Olympics. Wait, you mean to tell me that the, that James Comey might've altered reality to make himself look better? No freaking way. Right. No way would he have ever in his entire life put the thumb on the scale. I mean, I I just literally was like, what? That's my point with corruption, right? That's my point with all... The, it's already existed. 
Is AI in furtherance of it? Absolutely, but it's just a tool. It's a very dangerous tool, but it's also a very useful tool. I, I, I don't, so here, and that's the thing, is I don't disagree on its uses. I don't, you know, but until, it, it, for me, it's, it no, it's a, it's a hell no. Yeah, until... and I think a great example of this is the Ron DeSantis um, case in which they kind of spliced uh, mm. Trump and um, Fauci embracing in pictures, right? Right. It's not that they used AI to create a video. That AI video that they created, by the way, that DeSantis War Room video that everybody uh -huh. got up in arms about, like, what, three weeks ago or so? That video, yeah, it was AI created, but it was AI created in which they simply prompted the, the technology to find the clips and then put the actual clips. These were real things that happened in real life, and they clip them together. That's just, I don't know, video editing. <laughs> they just sped right. up the process of somebody having to take hours upon hours to find something. It took them, from what I understand, it took that AI prompting all of five minutes to find the videos that needed to be put together. That's a great use of effort and time. I, I guess my, my, my overall point is we haven't even had a discussion oh, a thousand as, percent. as a society. Thousand percent. I don't disagree with you. How not to use AI. I just can't say that this is false when I know that there are parts of this that are very useful, right? That's my that, point. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I, I I will give it that. All right. That is, so finally, fair. Pat, let's go ahead and do my truth or fiction. Numero dos. My second truth or fiction. Our society has yet to hit rock bottom because we still turn our nose up at God. Truth or fiction good sir so when you say turn your nose up at god you mean in terms of like uh kind of it's like a snubbing right yeah like, we're we're we are unwilling to humble ourselves mm -hmm. and drop to our knees and ask god for repentance forgiveness and love again and, be, and until we do that, we're not even close to rock bottom. Like, I, that's where I'm at with this. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with truth in a sense of, you know, we've hit rock bottom when people start turning, like, as, as a whole, start turning back to God and humbling themselves. Because rock bottom is meant to be a humbling experience, right? Correct. And so in in that sense, yes, I, I think that that's absolutely true because we are still very much a church of me society. We're still a very immoral society and, and we're still becoming, I think, increasingly secular. Um, so, yeah, I, I would absolutely say that's 100 percent true. Yeah, and I look at it from the perspective of as you read through, you know, the, the different books in the Old Testament, right? Mm -hmm. You understand that that um, God humbles those who will mock him. God humbles those who will stray from him. God will continue to punish those who which he has given the ultimate covenant, right? And he has a covenant with us, with us as Christians, because he gave his only son up to death in fulfillment of scripture, mm 
so that our sin may be forgiven for the belief in Jesus Christ and the belief in him. But when you look at all of the, you know, when you look at uh, Solomon, when you look at Saul, when you look at um, um, Ahab, right, and and all the the various kings of Israel, right, and you, even to Moses and Aaron, right, when you <coughs> when you actually know the history of these these figures, what befalls all of them is a humbling because they walk not in the spirit of God and in the image of God and in his commandments and his covenant, right? They do the mm. earthly thing. And only once they humble themselves does God relent. And what ends up usually happening in all of this, Pat, what you what you see is that God doesn't punish in the moment. God will punish the next generation. God will say, okay, guess what? until they also humble themselves, until they show that they're going to walk in the sight of God and in the commandments of God. So I'm looking at it from that perspective of until we as a society decide to prostrate ourselves, humble ourselves, we are nowhere near rock bottom, and things are only going to get worse and worse and worse. And for those of us that do want to walk in that path, those of us who do believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, those of us that believe in God, for those of us who want to actually practice what we believe, or believe, I should say, we have to humble ourselves and know that we are sinful. Know that we, and ask for that repentance, ask for that forgiveness, you know, and... I will say this. Uh, I'm going to preview the critical thought that I'm going to debut later on today. And my preview is this. There's a whole bunch of sports writers out there who cheered on Pride Night while deriding the, the bigots of Christianity outside the gates who were protesting. Pat, were they really protesting? No, they weren't. They were praying. They were asking God. They were asking Jesus Christ for reparations. And reparations in Christianity and reparations in religion are not reparations of money. They're not reparations like Cory Bush and the $14 trillion to give to the black uh, community. That's not reparations. Reparations is they know not which they are mocking, so forgive them, Lord. Forgive them, for they know not which they speak. Forgive them, for they know not which they are acting. We are asking for repentance. We are asking for reparations for those who refuse to do the right thing. Those people were praying for them to turn to God. Those people were praying for God to forgive them. That's the ultimate act of reparations. The, the people who are mocking who you are, the very soul of who you are, right? The very character that you are. Being mocked openly in our society, the way that the Sisters of Perpetual Blasphemy, as I like to call them, were, are doing, have done. What, what is more loving than say, God, please forgive them? God have mercy on them. 
So when I look at rock bottom, where is it, right? I don't know the answer, but I do know this. There's a whole hell of a lot of pain to go through until we humble ourselves in the sight of God and in the sight of Jesus Christ and say, please forgive us for we have sinned. What is the point of confession in the Catholic faith? Forgiveness of sin. The point is for us to humble ourselves in the sight of God and through God's priests, right? To say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And to tell of your sin openly for the hope of repentance, reparation, and moving forward. Do we see any of that in our society? No. Not large enough. Nowhere near that. We're still going down secular hell. We're still watching people who claim Catholic faith openly mock their faith, openly deride their faith, thumb their nose at their faith and the teachings of the church. Is there, is anybody perfect? Is, there, is anybody going to walk in perfection? Hell no. That's also the story of the Bible. But it's those that prostrate themselves, that humble themselves, that win in the end. It's always that way. That's the ultimate story of the Old Testament, right? Sin, repentance, glorification. Sin, repentance, glorification. Sin, repentance, glorification. And God never giving up on us. God won't give up on us. Jesus won't give up on us. But we can't give up on ourselves either. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Corrine Jean-Pierre is the pimple on the ass of history. You are correct. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. Do not forget to check out the Twitter page at The Coppin Show. I will also post to our locals uh, channel later on as well. Um, I'm just experimenting and trying some things here, uh, more of a monologue style uh, to give you a little extra content. Uh, so you're going to check out my critical thought uh, for this week. And then uh, we'll see if we do this weekly maybe two, three times a week or whatever going down the road. Um, but yeah, we're kind of experimenting this summer here on Critical Thinking. And with that being said, Matthew 547. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.